So he was telling me, no, let's go over here, let's go over here. And I told him, no, no, I mean, the, the hawk is in a good position and the, the, the dog is looking for something down there, so let's wait. And suddenly, Mokambo uh, started pointing to some quail and then the quail came out, all the cubby started flushing. Uh, well, we saw the cubby and go chasing one of them and when I got to him, he had one. And I mean, maybe it doesn't sound that spectacular, I think, but it was... The, the, the setting was perfect, you know, and that's what we were looking for. A perfect setting, a good pointing dog, a hawk where he has to be chasing the, the, the quail all around. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back for another episode of the Falconry Told podcast. And thanks for joining us, as always, as we close in on this new century mark milestone. Much appreciated. And I have to give a quick shout out to the North American Falconers Association and the Falconry Fund, whose small grants program helped make projects like this possible. If you want more information on either organization, head to n-a-f-a.com for the North American Falconers Association. And if you would like to donate or find out any more information about the Falconry Fund, head to falconryfund.org. And our guest this episode is another one that I have to give some more special props to because Gerardo was kind enough to host me for the week. And without his generosity and his coordination, there's just no way that I probably would have been able to pull off this part two series for you all. There's just uh, so much that goes into planning these trips and without all these friendships that I've made in falconry and these relationships, there's, like I said, there's just no way that I would probably be able to pull this off, at least nowhere near as smoothly as, as what they have been. So also thank you to Rodrigo Monroe Wilson for making the referral and connecting me with all these guys. Like I said, without these relationships and these friendships in falconry, it's just so difficult to make things like this happen. So I'm appreciative of these new friendships and and I'm really appreciative of, of Gerardo for showing me so much hospitality throughout the week and, and letting me spend time with him and his family. It was a great time, and I'll always be thankful. So I hope you all really enjoy this episode. Lots of great stories and experiences here to, to listen to. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn things over to the conversation with Gerardo. Here we go. Once again, thank you very much for everything this week, and you guys have been great, so I, I really appreciate it. Well, it's been really nice having you here. I mean, thank you for coming. <laughs> I, I don't know, it's not easy for you to come and spend a week down here with people that you don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, it's been great. It's been a really good week. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit different for you. <laughs> We've been moving a lot. And, but I mean, we've been having a, a lot of fun. Sure. Great to have you here. Yeah, well, thank right. you, man. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, aside from, um, whatever Mexican pollen or, um, you know, <laughs> uh, crud that's in the air, um, causing these sinus issues and stuff, it's been a, it's been a very fun week. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to have gotten the chance to do this again and, um, you know, I, I knew last year, whenever I came down and spent the week with um, Rodrigo 
and all of those guys in uh, Monterey and Aguas Calientes. And I knew that I wanted to try and come back and kind of, um, you know, at least do another part to this series and kind of finish a little bit what I started, you know, because Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, I mean, I know that we'll never be able to cover every um, falconer that's earned the um, the right or the or has has earned the ability to share their stories and things of that nature in every country. But all we can do is try. <laughs> so you know, this is me trying, and um, you know, I knew that there was a lot of other guys uh, that Rodrigo spoke highly of in other parts of, of Mexico that, uh, would be, um, good to share their stories and stuff. So here I am. And like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take the time to do it. And, um, you know, thanks for, thanks for having me. So well, you're, you're really welcome. It's fun because this morning, I don't know why it came up in my Spotify, uh, particularly that part of the podcast that Rodrigo made, you know, when he says, Oh, you're telling him, I hope I can come maybe next year to make a second part, something like that. <laughs> and well, it's amazing. Now here you are making a second part. <laughs> Let's hope there's a third one. I mean, there are a lot of more Falconers uh, here in Mexico that they're doing really, the, the, the things that they're, that they're doing are really amazing. Um, and man, I think there's material out there you know, for, for everybody. So let's hope you, you come here again. And of course, you know, this is your house whenever you want to come. Whenever any falconer from the world, I mean, from the States, it's easier. But anyone that wants to come see what we're doing, they're more than that, than welcome. And well, we, we try to show what we do on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's good or not, but it's entertaining. And for us, it's what we love, you know, means we can be out there every day doing kind of the same stuff and having fun. And that's what we live for. And so, yeah, no. And, and like I said, I, now that I've seen some things that I haven't seen before in the U S in particular, um, you know, like for example, the snipe hunting and, and things like that, I'm really, really curious now to see how different if any, that, you know, the, the guys in the U S do it and you know how it, how it is, you know, you, you see things and it really gets you interested and it makes you wonder how other people are doing it around the world mm-hmm. and if there really are any differences. And I know I was really surprised last year, whenever I came down about how similar a, a lot of things are, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of constants yeah. in, in falconry that, that don't change from country to country, but I I know that I have very little foundation when it comes to um, foundation of experience when it comes to certain types of, uh, of falconry. So, yeah, getting to come down and see how you guys do stuff and seeing some new things this week's been great. Well, that's I that that's what is this all about, no? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I think uh, as you said, the basic is it's the same in all falconry, no? Mm-hmm. I mean. You have uh, almost the same predator that is the falcon and the same prey you know, that it's the snipe in this case. So uh, you have to fly it if you're here or you're in the States or you're in the UK. It's almost the same. 
maybe you have a different field or different situations there, but you need to to be patient. You need to have the the, the falcon over you. I mean, if he's not at a good uh, pitch or if he's a little bit open, he's not going to get the, the snipe. If you're running uh, around, all the snipes are going to start getting up. And I mean, it's... I think hunting snipe is it's really an strategical thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have hunted many kinds of of birds and mostly quails or I don't know little sparrows. So most of the time, you're waiting for them to come out, and you don't care where they're flying or if there's more there or no. And with snipes, it's really different. With snipes, you know that if one snipes uh, comes out, there's going to be another one somewhere around there. I know maybe from two to 10 meters around, it's going to be there. So you got to be patient. You got to be looking what the hawk is doing. And if he doesn't get the, the one that he's chasing, then put him up again, call him back and try to get the other one. You know? uh, it's the same with quails. With quails, if you flush the cubby, the cub is going to go all around. Uh, and if you're... Uh, a good observer, maybe you can see where, where, which were they were and get another one, no? But, I mean, snipes, I think, for me, it's the most difficult quarry for falcons. It seems like there's a lot of, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of truth to that, just from the, like I said, what limited knowledge I have and, um, you know, seeing uh, peregrines on ducks now a few times and, you know, seeing, um, you know, quail, you know, hunting a few times now. And, and, um, I definitely don't think that there's really much, you know, I mean, I, I, depending on who you ask, of course, they're going to always have different opinions on what's, um, most difficult or easy or whatever. But just from what I've seen, yeah, I mean, everything's got to be aligned perfectly, you know, for, for the snipe hunting, especially. And it seems like it's one of, whether or not you think it might be the hardest, I think it's one of the most unique. It's one of the most um, interesting, you know, types of hunting, just yeah, from what I've seen. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm talking difficult in this area, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, yeah, maybe if someone's hunting grouse, they're going to say, well, grouse are more difficult to hunt. And maybe mm-hmm. in Europe or in Asia, they're hunting other species that are difficult. But here in central Mexico, um, in the conditions that we have and the fields that we have, I think it's one of the most difficult prey to get, and of course that can change around Mexico and around the world. No, and obviously it all depends on how your hawk is doing or your falcon is doing. Um, I heard some guys that they just don't like flying them; they prefer dogs, and I mean that's okay. That's it. the thing is, I love to be outside in the fields walking watching the dogs. I have always uh, fly with dogs. Uh, I don't like to go out in the field without a dog. Um, and that makes, in one part, uh, maybe it's a little bit harder to fly snipes with, with dogs because not all dogs, uh, not all the dogs point on snipes. And if you don't have a really good control over the dog, it can flush everything up. So, but at the same time, uh, if 
you get to that point where you can manage the dog to do what you want and connect with the falcon, it, it, you get an amazing, um, um, how do you say, amazing... Um, Amazing flight, amazing, amazing flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So. yeah. The the uh, the stoops that I saw on um, on Snipe in particular just seemed like I said it's just it, it's definitely more unique. You know, the flights are more unique. They're they're more. Um, I don't know. I, to me, it's a lot more interesting anyway than um, you know because like for example, when we were watching um, you know the duck hawking. Uh, yesterday with uh with leonardo's uh, mm. bird and stuff i mean i told you i didn't even get a chance to really you know like there's just so many factors at play and if you're not looking in the um in the right direction you know when all of these you know hundreds or whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. of ducks you know flush off the pond you know if you're not looking in the right spot then um you know it's you're not going to see anything but at least with the snipe for the most part it's happening most it's it seems like it's the it's happening more in front of you than you know other types of uh of long wing you know flights anyway yeah so. that, that, that's what i like the most of hunting snipes i mean i i do all of my falconry that way that way i know it's amazing to have a really high pitch and see the falcon come down from a kilometer up there to get a, a dog or pigeons or whatever, or to have a really good Harris hawk or ghost hawk and so I can go away for one kilometer, I don't know, man. But I prefer watching things in front of my face, you know? And with snipes, it's either that or you're not hunting them. Uh, it's the same as quail. If they flush in front of you and the hawk is not in position, he's not gonna get them. And I, I prefer looking through my eyes and not through the binoculars or a video or a good photograph, uh, what's going on, and, and have fun, like, like having the moment right there, no? Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not that duck hunting is not um, that it's not that I don't like duck hunting. I, I love to hunt ducks. I love uh, going out and seeing all this amazing male or uh, female peregrines coming down to uh, getting these big Mexican dogs. Uh, but it all gets, I don't know, uh, it, it feels different to hunt snipes for me. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, um, it's different. And I can see where, even though it would, would stay fun, it would seem a little bit more, um, I don't know, tedious, I guess. Um, like, because you don't know where necessarily that that um, falcon or which which duck that falcon's going to hit, mm -hmm. and it could be close, it could be really far away, and then you've got to you know chase you know that down and just hope that you can get to wherever you know. I mean that's the only thing that that I see the the main difference is at least you know with the uh, with the snipe hunting it seems like it's all happening close enough to you to where at least you know that you'll be able to kind of figure out where it is for maybe a reflush again and things like that. And then you, in general, you know that you're going to be able to get to that spot quickly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with the duck hawking and stuff, it could take you forever. It could, you know, it could go down in a spot that, you know, you can't hardly even get to because the, the stoop was from so high and, and things like that. So I, I agree with that. 
Most of the time, you can get there quickly, unless you get stuck on the river or in the mud or something like that, right. as you could watch the other day. <laughs> I went down that damn thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's mostly like, 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 like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, that, that, that's the only downside that I've seen to the snipe hawking so far is that uh, all of a sudden you could be walking, then all of a sudden you're waist deep or higher in, in, uh, <laughs> yeah, in water. <laughs> well, that's, uh, well, first of all, you need waders to do that, no? Mm -hmm. uh, I think that if you don't have waders, uh, once again, in, in, in these specifically uh, areas where we hunt, there are a lot of ditches and um, rivers and a lot of things that, that if you don't know where you're walking, you can go down mm -hmm. and you can go down really deep. So the waders help to not get that, um, that wet. And of course, uh, to, you, you, you got to use this like big poles mm -hmm. so you can be touching <laughs> or you're going <laughs> to put your, your next step. And, but yeah, you're right. There are mostly a few meters around where, where it's going to happen, no? Yeah, and um, yeah, I think it seems like to me for the most part, too, that, um, you know, like I said, it's, I don't know, I, I think that the types of falconry that you can have where it's right in front of you, it's most engaging, you get to see everything, those to me at least are, are the most fun, you know, types of, of falconry, but everybody's going to have different opinions, but you know, it's, uh, it's whatever. I mean, like, um, like I've talked about with, uh, with other people before, I mean, you know, everybody's got their different idea of what's fun and what's not. So. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's yeah. what makes uh, Falcon re really rich. Mm -hmm. You know, if, I mean, there was, there's no point of all of us doing the same. No, no. And mm -hmm. unfortunately we don't have the same conditions where we're flying. So maybe if you're in the middle of a desert where you have a little pond and you can put your falcon really high, you're going to see an amazing uh, stoop. That's for sure. No? But we do that here. Uh, our falcon is going to get lost in seconds. You know, there are a lot of little towns around where we fly with a lot of pigeons. And there are a lot of dogs around. And there are so many things going around the areas where we're flying that they can get lost. Mm -hmm. So you're not even not going to see what it, uh, he's chasing or uh, if he caught something, you're going to have to go look for it and go through all these towns. And man, that's not, that, that's not fun. <laughs> I've yeah. been there and that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's and uh, <laughs> no, and and especially whenever you have to go and uh, retrieve a, a falcon out of you know somebody's backyard or, or off of somebody's roof or something yeah. because you know things like that. It's uh, it can be a little uh, stressful, you know, and and uh, yeah, I mean, not that's not for everybody. No, I I remember the this time I was flying one of my peregrines. I had a passage male uh, peregrine falcon, and he went chasing a snipe and then the snipe got away and I don't know why uh, he went to no, that's not true he, he caught a little bird the snipe got away and he caught a bird and went up a little house roof so when I got there I asked this guy oh, can I go in and get my hawk and he told me no no that's not your hawk that's mine mm. I mean, why it's, it's my hawk it has my bells my things my ring my no, 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 it's mine, it's my property and it's mine and you can come in. 
<laughs> so first I got to convince him <laughs> to mm -hmm. let me go in. Mm -hmm. Then I uh, finally I could get the, my, my Falcon back, but that's what we're dealing with. So mm -hmm. you don't want your Falcon going away any of <laughs> this. And that's best case scenario, no? Mm -hmm. it, it can go in a backyard where there are dogs or I don't know. There are a lot of things that can happen around here. So Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many different, and that, like I said, that's a big reason why, you know, I was, uh, I was talking to, to Eduardo about that too. Mm -hmm. It's just like, I've got friends that are just like, I don't, I don't even understand how you could even find this remotely fun because, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, when, when it decides to, to, to peace out and, and fly, you know, uh, however many miles away or whatever, you don't know what you're going <laughs> to, you know, see whenever, like yeah. wherever, you know, it's, it's landed or, or whatever, you don't know what you're going to have to deal with. And then, you know, just taking the time to, to do that also, it's just not everybody's, not everybody's cup of tea, but you know, like you said, that's fine. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, so as far as, um, you know, when you started learning about all this though, I mean, uh, you know, fortunately I've gotten a chance to, you know, meet, uh, Danielle and, uh, some of the other guys, of course, Eduardo and, um, you know, a lot of these other guys that, you know, and, and, um, you know, do your falconry with here. But I mean, when did you officially start getting into this then? Well, I, I've been flying for almost 20, 21 years now. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Like I've been flying for 21 years now. Um, but I think it goes a little bit way back. Um, when I was a, a kid, I, I, I have always lived in this place. Um, it has changed a lot. It used to be my grandfather's ranch. Um, we have always lived here. So when I lived here, I, I was always uh, outside looking for birds, looking for animals, playing with my dogs. Uh, I used to ride horses. That was my passion before falconry. And I have this cousin that is almost uh, as, as crazy as I am. <laughs> uh, so, and we used to get everything, any animal that, that we could. And I remember him telling me one time, oh, there's this guy at the other ranch that has a rotter hawk. And you know that you can have those in, in your hand and, and call them back. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's amazing. Well, let's go see him. No? Um, he didn't have the, well, he did have a red tail, but in a big cage. And he had, a, I don't know if it's, if it's called caracara in English. Mm -hmm. it's, he had one. Um, they call him here quebrantahuesos too. And I remember that he went with the caracara and, and started talking to him like, cara, 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 cara. And the caracara went like doing the same and putting his head back. <laughs> and I mean, it was really funny. <laughs> and that's how, that, that was like my first impression of having, uh, or my first contact with um, hawks. And there's also, there, there's always been in that tree over there, maybe you can see that uh, dry tree, mm -hmm. um, just to be a little bit taller. And all the vultures and red tails, when, mostly in this time of the year, they stand there to get a little bit of sun and to chase everything around here. So I have always seen all these falcons around. And it gets stuck there in my mind, you know, like all these falconers stories that we have heard. 
it's just there, mm-hmm. waiting <laughs> to come out. Mm-hmm. And then 20 or 15 years later, um, I, I was around 18, 19 years old, and maybe a little bit more, and I'm coming back from my girlfriend's house around 10 o'clock at night, and I suddenly see this car coming through me at the entrance of the ranch, and the normal thing to do was to get away, no? Mm-hmm. I mean, and we're in Mexico, so <laughs> you're not thinking, no, there's coming, there, there are so, uh, there are these nice people coming to uh, talk to me. <laughs> so well, I, I decided to stop and talk to them. And this guy called Ricardo Padilla with some friends come down and start telling me about that, this thing that they're doing and that they lose one of their hogs. I'm like, man, you're crazy. <laughs> what, what do you really want? Mm-hmm. So, no, 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 no. I mean, it's over there. Let, let me call her. And we, well, okay, go ahead. Go call her. So he took out his, um, his glove, put a, a hand neck on his hand in the glove, and started calling uh, the, the hawk. And suddenly, uh, from one of the trees, comes a big uh, female Harris hawk and stands in his glove, no? So I'm like, wow, I mean, this is amazing. I would love to do it. Uh, would you t- teach me? And start talking to him. And he goes like, yeah, 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 yeah. I fly here all the time. I'll come next week and look for you and take you hunting with me. Okay, perfect. I would love to do that. Of course, he didn't come. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but he didn't come. Um, a few weeks later, I'm going again to see my, my girlfriend, uh, who used to live uh, at the club, that it's like five minutes away from here. So I'm, I'm getting there, and I don't know why. I looked to my right, I was driving, I looked to my right, and I saw this guy walking with a hawk in his hand. So I said, it must be the same guy. I gotta go see him. <laughs> so I intercept him, told him, man, <laughs> I'm still waiting for you. <laughs> Why? Oh, you know, and he's a really nice guy and has, uh, I don't know, he started talking to me and telling me all these things and said, well, when can we meet? Uh, I mean, I, I'm really interested in, in, in this thing, no? So he tells me, well, I'm working here at one of the houses of the club as a falconer with uh, Daniel. I'm like, who Daniel? Says, Daniel Rasbetayev. Oh, oh, man, he's... Uh, married one of my cousin's cousins, so as, I, I mean, I know where he lives, and now you can do anything <laughs> about it. You, you're going to have to teach me. <laughs> and so he was like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Well, come meet me one day, and I'll teach you how to do this. So I start seeing him, and the first th- thing he told me was, okay, you need to get a book. The next thing I'm doing, I'm looking for books all around Mexico, in that time, I'm, I'm talking, this should be around 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. Uh, I, I know it's not that far away, but the internet wasn't that good at that time. You couldn't find that much things on the, that easy, no? So I went to this um, library in Mexico's city, at the center of Mexico City. It's called Cristal. And I bought two books there. One book was like a little guide to falconry. Uh, 
and the other one was El Arte de Cetería by Félix Rodríguez de la Fuente. So by that time I had everything I need. No? So uh, I started reading this book. By the a week later, I have already finished the book. I had the muse done. So I went with him and said, well, I have everything that you told me. Now what should I do? And he told me, well, when I have a hawk, I'll, I will tell you and you got to go out with me and blah, blah, blah. So I started going out with him. Um, he used to fly Harris Hawks on that time. And suddenly he called me and told me, okay, I have a hawk for you. Come get it. So I went in that second to his house. And when I get there, he had this little male Harris hawk. Of course, you couldn't tell what it was at that time. It has a lot of... Uh, you know, these um, white feathers, mm-hmm. and they look like little chickens. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and it wasn't... A, so he told yeah. me, okay, this is your hawk, and now you got to feed him, and when it's the time, I will tell you what you have to do. No? So from there, I started going out with them, and they told me, he, he presented me some other guys who taught me some things, but most of them, um, Daniel, of course, told me what to do, some of the basic things at the beginning. Um, but most of the things that I did were like, um, I, I did them by, by myself, no? Mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, um, there were no houses around here. So I went out of my house walking, flying the bird, he will come uh, on the on those trees looking for me, and I had like I don't know, man, maybe like six or five or seven dogs at that time. So I took out all the dogs, went out there to see if we can chase some rabbits or birds or whatever it came up, huh? and that's how I get started. Uh, of course, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, so one day I was coming back from flying and my, my brother was walking with me and I told him, oh, it will be really nice to see the hawk flying through this crease. Um, let, let, let's try it. And he told me, oh, I don't think you should do that. Yeah, yeah it's going to be okay. What, what could happen? So I go ahead and do that. And of course, the bird didn't want to do it. <laughs> so he went up on the tree, and this is my theory. He didn't know how to come back. Or he, he knew how to get down from the tree. You know? It's this little bird that just wanted to go up, but he didn't know how to go down. And in that day, uh, I was going to Cuernavaca, that it's, uh, it's like two and a half hours from here. You know? It's a... I was going with my girlfriend and her family, so I had to leave, I don't know, maybe at 2 o'clock. It was like 1 o'clock. I had the bird up in the trees, and it seems like <laughs> he was going to be there for a while. So I called my girlfriend to her, you know, this happened, and I don't know, I, I will catch you up later at Cuernavaca. And man, I stand there like 6 or 7 hours waiting for him to <laughs> want to come down. I called Ricardo, I called Saul that was helping me at that time. They came here with their hawks, they put their hawks down, tried to fly them. 
he didn't want to come on. Like that, well, I make some mistakes, but at the same time, I make really good things. And he started fighting really good. Uh, a year later, I was going to college and I met again with Eduardo and Angel. And I told them, well, well, I'm doing this thing. And they got interested in, in, in falconry. And we started going out. And Angel's dad used to hunt quails. And he took us to a place where, where he used to hunt quails. And by that time, all the falconers that I knew have told me that it was impossible to chase quails. And I was like, I don't know why, why it is impossible, no? Why, why don't we try? Well, it's just that Harris hawks don't hunt quails. That's why it's impossible. <laughs> so at the first, I said, well, okay, if you said so, no, you're the experts. I mean, I don't know anything about this. But later, I decided to go out there where Angel's dad had taken us, and we started chasing quails. And that hawk that was called Wabi, uh, he became really good at cutting them. Uh, he caught all these uh, banded quails. And, I mean, he got that good that since that time, I haven't caught that much banded quail as I did. <laughs> They're really difficult quails and really... They're endemic to this part of, of Mexico. And you have seen, well, you, you saw them last, during the week, and they fly really, really fast. They're these little birds. And, well, and that's how I, I started. Then, I, of course, I took my, my Harris Hawk to the desert to chase uh, jackrabbits and rabbits and dogs. And, well, we tried almost everything with him. It was a really, really good um, hawk. Unfortunately, by the time, like, he was around seven, six or seven years old, uh, he, he passed away. Of course, in one of our mistakes, I, I started working by that time, and I didn't have all this time to, to be with my hawks and keep everything like I like. So Bernardo, that is my brother, was helping me, and we always used to feed him... Uh, Um, chicken necks. Later, we we understand that it wasn't the the best thing to fit, but I mean that's what we knew at that time. And one of these uh, big um, pieces stuck on his mm. throat, and, and we get him to the bed and everything, but he couldn't make it. So, what is it like that? We learn a lot about it, and then we change to quails, and now we feed them quails almost to all of our hawks. Um, we have a really good um, provider of quails, so we got them here alive. I, I like to give them, all, all of my hawks, a recent kill quail, you know, so they can feed on hot, um, uh, on a recent kill. You know? mm -hmm. And that's how, that's how I begin on this journey. <laughs> and from there on, I have been flying for 20 years straight. I have fly uh, a, a quite a bit of falcons. I have fly Coopers, Harris Hawks, um, a plumado falcons, some peregrines. I had one hybrid. Uh, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. And so at what point during all that time 
did you start working in like the career that you have now or how many, like how many years had you been flying birds before you got into like a more established career? Um, well, I started flying when I was in college. So mm -hmm. by that time I had enough time to go out and fly. Mm -hmm. uh, I might have been doing that like for two or three years. Then I'm I'm a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I study law, so um, I went to work to a notary, uh, which here in Mexico it's really different than in the states. It's a really big thing, um, and I worked there for maybe five to seven years. I can remember really well, and I was learning, man. And it was a really good place to to learn. But it was hard. I mean, I had to be there almost all day long. Um, and it got a little bit difficult for me, the, the falconry part. Then I changed from notarist, so I had a little bit more of time. And then I decided to get out of the, of the notary and came work with one of my cousins. And we're, now we are in the uh, healthcare Mexican system and fortunately I have more time that I can manage to do my falconry and I mean it, it I have get to a point where I can do almost all that I want I can fly my falcons I, ca I can work and the most important I can I have all this time to spend with my family you know um, so it's it's all getting to 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 that point of, of life on falconry where I can almost do everything at, at the same, uh, not, not at the same time, but at the same it's balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, um, this is definitely something that's hard to do whenever you, you know, <laughs> work a, a normal nine to five and, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I've, I know plenty of guys that do it. I hunt with them all the time that, that work through the week and then just mainly fly on weekends. But I think you'll definitely have um, much better flying birds and much, um, you know, more better, uh, a better experience overall, you know, when you're able to fly, you know, through the week as well. And, um, you know, I mean, at least you're, you're able to, um, you know, uh, finally get yourself into that, that balanced situation where, you know, I mean, I, I'm sure that there were probably points where you were, you know, kind of, a, a little unhappy or miserable, not being able to do what <laughs> yeah. you wanted to do. And, yeah, I, I understand that as well. So, yeah, and the thing is, I think, um, well, it's obviously if if you have from the seven days of the week, you can fly almost every day, and you're doing things well. You're gonna have a really good falcon or hawk doing or chasing whatever you're chasing. But uh, it takes a lot to do that. I mean, a lot of people told me, um, but why do you have to? fly every day i mean why don't you do it just on the weekends no or why don't you do it during the week and not in the weekends and i think that's something that just falconers are gonna get no i mean you gotta be out there doing it to have this good experience i think or i don't know if it seems like that but the first the the first day that we went snipe hawking, I think it was on Monday, mm -hmm. 
it looks like a really easy thing to do, you know. Uh, Daniel caught it in a really simple way. I caught it in a really simple way. And I mean, to get there, you got to be out almost every day. And the Falcon has to miss a lot of, a lot of snipes. And you got to go through all these things to get to that point. You know? So, yeah, I, I think I'm uh, a really uh, privileged guy to being here and can do all the stuff that I that, that I'm doing, no? and sure. the most important is that I I can be with with my family and do falconry. I have this great balance, you know. And sometimes uh, my, my my wife doesn't like falconry, but she doesn't have a problem with it. And my two daughters they love hawks. You know, and sometimes they, they come out with me. And that's another nice part, you know, it's where you can we can spend uh, a little bit of time as a family and f doing what I, what I like to do. And, well, it's, 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 it's really nice. Well, you're fortunate. You know, yeah. Most, yeah, yeah. most children of falconers, I think, don't care at all about it. And <laughs> well, let's hope that in the future they will care. But by now, I mean, um, the thing... It's that I like my daughters to grow up uh, knowing uh, all these things that go around on the field, on the ranch, and with animals. And I mean, they're going to have, of course, all this contact with technology and people and cities. And uh, I want them to see how the life out there is, you know, where there is no all this technology. I mean, it's. It's how it's been from years, you know? yeah. so I want them to experience that part. And of course, if they don't want to fly when they're bigger, I don't care, man, but they will understand it, no? and they will know how or why I'm doing it. Sure. So, yeah. 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 Well, and um, do they love the dogs, too, a lot? Oh, man, they love animals. Yeah, all I mean, animals. They love, the, they love dogs. They love ducks. They love quails. Um, <laughs> Just, well, we just passed um, <laughs> December and Santa Claus brought them um, two sheeps, one sheep for <laughs> each of them. And they, man, they were so excited about their new sheeps. Mm -hmm. And they took them to ranch and they go to ranch and see their sheeps. And yeah, they're really and that kind of stuff. They love animals. Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great when kids can develop that kind of appreciation for yeah, things. Yeah, and yeah. and re refresh my memory again, too. Whenever we were talking earlier this week, didn't you say that your family, I mean, kind of going back to the dogs a little bit, didn't you say your family was one of the families that originally had, um, you know, Vizslas in this country? Or? Yeah, that's right. Um, one of my uncles uh, was one of the first ones to have Vizslas here in Mexico. And he, he loved Vizslas. Uh, and he started doing all these things for, for the... For the, um, the breed? For the breed, yeah. Uh, he started breeding some Vizslas and looking around Mexico to see who had them. Um, we, we have this theory that there have been Vizslas in Mexico since... I mean, since Maximiliano was here, you know, he was a, an emperor and he came from Hungary. So there were Bislas here, but they started to get lost or I don't know what happened. And then uh, some Spanish guys coming 
to live here. They came to live here and took some visuals with them. So that's how we we got them. But as I can remember, I have always have a good visuals. Uh, I mean, I'm 40 now, and I have photos when I was a baby uh, sleeping over one of my visuals. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have always had visuals. And now with with Lalo, maybe um, he told you in the the conversation that you had that he has his own uh, breeding project. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So I gave Lalo his first bijla and he had done a lot for the breed. And fortunately, now we have uh, like a lot of different lines of, of bijlas. And well, it's, it's getting like, a, I mean, it's not as famous as all these other dogs, but it's growing. No, and yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I I love the breed as well. I mean, I have two myself, and I wish that um, I would have had more hawks recently that would tolerate them. You know, <laughs> but uh, but because uh, I feel bad for not um, running them as much, you know, and um, and things like that. And but at the same time, you know, I I, I think they're they're a great breed, and you know they're um, you know they have their drawbacks somewhat, but. Uh, but I mean, I've, I've, you know, that was the first thing I noticed whenever I, I got mm. to your, uh, you know, got to your place here and, and everything was just, I, I was just like, wow, there's just there's so many Vigilas running around. Well, I mean, we have, we have, <laughs> I think we have right now, well, right now we have 10 ducks. From those six, no, I mean, we have, I don't know, I think we have, yeah, six Vigilas. And one wire-haired bishla, and and I mean we could have a lot of more of them, but yeah, we we have to get to that point that we can't have anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember the the first bishla that I used in falconry. It uh, was called Mocambo. It was a really 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 nice bishla, but we have never hung with them. So I knew if was going to find something or not. So the cattle told me, okay, let's go to this place and let's see what's happening. Let's go chase some quail and jackrabbits. Well, okay, let's go. So I took Mocambo. I let him out of the car. And by the second night, took the leash off. He started running in a direct line. And I didn't see a dog like for the next two hours. He wanted to hunt alone. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I was fortunate to get him to get him back. Um, from there on, he he started coming out with us and to understand what we were doing and what does he had to do. You know, uh, of course, we didn't know anything about dogs. I mean, we'd be learning through these twenty years how do we train them and what do we have to do and how to get to those points where, where we gotta have them. And I'm still learning, you know, I'm not this amazing dog trainer, but, well, I, I can manage to have my dogs and what I want them. Mm-hmm. And Mocambo was a really, 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 really good, um, uh, good Bishla and was really good with, uh, with the Hawk. He, they, they make a really, really good team. Uh, one time I remember that the Hawk, well, obviously Mocambo, Took out this big rabbit, and the hog went chasing him. They, w- when I got there, Mokambo was grabbing 
the rabbit from the back um, legs, mm -hmm. and Wabi was on the head of the uh, on the rabbit, and Mokamo was just standing there with the rabbit, making sure it didn't get away from the hawk. No? Mm -hmm. They were that um, I don't know. They, they were a really good, really good team. Yeah, yeah. And from then on, I mean, most of my bishlas uh, have gone out with me. They respect the the falcons and the hawks, and they're yeah, they're really good ducks. Awesome. Well, yeah. would you say that that was one of your more memorable, um, you know, experiences in falconry? Or, uh, you know, that this is a good point to go ahead and share what, uh, you know, some of your favorite couple of stories are or just, sure. you know, experiences are? Yeah, well, I have a, a, a lot of good experiences through these years. Uh, I mean, with Wabi, that was the, the Harris Hawk. Uh, I can't remember. Well, yeah, I, I, I do remember... On a specific flight, uh, we were chasing or looking for banded quail, and I remember perfectly. There was this pond, and around the pond, there were these big trees. So Wabi got on top of one of these trees, and Mokambo went down. I was flying with Lalo. Lalo was uh, taking photos, and and uh, by the way, he's a really good photographer. So. Uh, through all these years, he'll take photos. I think he has more photos of me than uh, his family. But <laughs> I joke like that with his, with her, his wife. Um, so he was telling me, no, let's go over here, let's go over here. And I told him, no, no, I mean, the, the, the hawk is in a good position and the, the, the dog is looking for something down there, so let's wait. And suddenly, Mokambo uh, started pointing to some quails and then the quail came out, all the cobby start flushing, uh, Wabi saw the cubby and go chasing one of them. And when I got to him, he had one. And I mean, maybe it doesn't sound that spectacular, I think, but it was, the, the, the setting was perfect, you know? And that's what we were looking for. A perfect setting, a good pointing dog, a hawk where he has to be chasing the, the, the quail all around. I mean, that was a, one of the really good flies with, with him. Um, I I remember I had this passage, uh, male peregrine, uh, who I caught with Daniel, who were trapping, and he told me, "Well, let, let's go. Maybe, maybe we told you this, this story." No, okay, let's go. Let's go trap. I had this big pigeon, and suddenly I saw in Nepal uh, this peregrine falcon. So I threw the pigeon there, and I got him. What for me it was, uh, well. Obviously, I was so excited that, that, that I, I couldn't believe it, you know? And here in Mexico, it's normal to get these male peregrines. And that's what I'm looking for. Male peregrines are, I think, the best. So a passage peregrine, I think it's the, the, the best what, what, that you can get, you know? So I tried him. He was flying really good. And I remember this time we were flying somewhere around here. I was with Daniel and we're trying to get his first snipe. And he was perfect around us, like you know, maybe at a 50 pitch, you know, something like that. And suddenly the snipe comes out and he stood perfectly and got it on there in front of Daniel and I. So, and that was my first snipe. 
and it was an impressive um, flight for us. And as, as we were saying, we saw it in front of our eyes. So uh, that that's a really uh, a really good one too. And well, I, I can't keep telling you a lot of stories, but <laughs> there's um, I could tell you what would one one of my diplomatos. Um, I was chasing uh, merns and in this mountain where it's a little bit difficult to walk and it's a little hard for the dogs to point them and at some point uh, two of my dogs are pointing and I had this male aplomado so I got there with the aplomado the cubby flushes and he goes straight to a male um, mern he got it and he went down to the a little bush and when I got there unfortunately for me uh, he got scared and he flew away with the marine quail <laughs> um, long story short I gotta get I got to go the next day to pick him up because obviously he ate all the <laughs> the marine and was full and I spent the next morning looking for him and got him back so yeah that was a, a really nice one too <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, like I said, it sounds like you've been able to try a, a little bit of everything and have a, a lot of good experiences over, over these years. And um, it sounds like you've got, you know, uh, really lucky too and having a, a good group of guys to, you know, to do this, yeah. to do this with and also, you know, help learn from as well. So, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's awesome. Well, I mean, as far as, um, a good note to end on then I think we should probably just do like we usually do. And, and, um, I'd like to get a piece of advice, uh, that you, or, um, you know, a bit of, uh, wisdom or, um, you know, just, uh, a, a little bit of, uh, I guess, um, you know, knowledge that you think would be good to, to pass along to people. And, um, yeah, just go ahead and end on that note. I think. Mm, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> um, well, I think, uh, to anybody that, that wants to start on falconry, uh, obviously to get to someone that has been on this for a, a few years, uh, but mostly to be patient. I mean, patience is, I think, one of the most important things on falconry because, as we have said, things don't come easy on falconry. you got to put a lot of effort, a lot of time, and a lot of patience. I mean, I mean uh, knowledge is out there. Uh, there are a lot of books. There are a lot of information on the internet, but no one can teach you patience more than a, uh, a hawk. <laughs> don't don't want it to come down or back. No. So sure. Yeah, I think that that will be. Well, yeah. and um, I know Eduardo had a good um, point also as far as you know. There's there's not. Um, Dogs are really good at teaching you patience too. Sometimes they can <laughs> yeah. also drive you nuts, but uh, but yeah, there's not very many aspects of this sport that happen fast. <laughs> That's right, and and I mean, uh, you can, uh, for example, for, for with dogs. Well, if the dog doesn't do what you want him to do. There are these kind of punishments, no? I, I don't know, I mean, or treats or anything. But you, you can punish a hawk. I mean, if you, you gotta do things uh, well or 
you're just not going to get to the point where you want to get it, no? And you're going to get frustrated and <laughs> you're going to have a really bad time, no? So that's what I think that patience makes a good falconer. So you need to have patience to read, you need to have patience to observe, you need to have patience at the beginning to go out with falconers. I mean, um, I don't know how it is in the States, but here there used to be uh, this group of falconers when they, could they tell you, okay, you want to come with me? You got to carry that, you got to go in the pond, you got to do that and this and all that. You mean, I mean, it's hard at the beginning, but if you have patience, you're going to get there somewhere. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very similar in the U.S. too. You know, it's just like if you, uh, you, you have to make sure that, that at least to the best of your ability, you know, mm -hmm. it, you, you try your best to make sure that the people getting in to this is, are the right people. Yeah. And part of that is, is you need to be, you need to show that you're willing to do the things that you're going to have to do to be successful and good for, for the sport. And if you're not willing to do those things, well, you know, I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That means yeah. it's not for you. Right. No? If you don't like to grab pigeons or if you don't like to kill a quail, I mean, I, I don't think yeah. it's the right sport to, where you have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you're not willing to beat brush for people or if you're not yeah. willing to, uh, you know, to get in briars and, you know, <laughs> if you're not willing to um, jump into uh, areas that are, that you possibly can sink up to your neck in, in water <laughs> or mud or, or even worse as, yeah. uh, as we've heard stories as well. Um, you know, sewage ditches and <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you've got to earn your keep, you know, and, uh, and prove that you, uh, that yeah. you want to do it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, great, man. Like I said, I, I think that's a good note to end on. And, um, you know, like most of these, I'm, I'm sure that we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but, um, you know, it's, um, hopefully there will be, like you said, other times that, uh, that, you know, we can, um, either catch back up or, um, you know, like I said, there's, I, I'm sure that this will probably be like most episodes. And then as soon as you hit stop, remember about three or four other things we could have talked about or that's for sure or yeah. whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but I think this was, a you know, a great, uh, first go around anyway for you. And, um, like I said, I mean, I, I look forward to, uh, spending the rest of the weekend before I have to head back to the States and, uh, you know, seeing some more cool stuff. So, well, well thank you for your time. It's been having you here. No, I hope you had a great time and yeah, let's see what the weekend <laughs> but let, let, let's see what we can do in the weekend for you yeah it's perfect yeah. man like i said it's been it's been great so far and and like i said i can't thank you enough so i really appreciate it well thanks a lot and this is your house whenever you want to come of course uh you and your podcasts are more than welcome all right well thank you so much and uh yeah let's go see what uh what the rest of tonight will bring you know great yeah yeah awesome man great